Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word. And Lord, we so often read your word and it hurts to read it. We don't like what it says. And often this is because of the the culture that we're in, that we have been influenced by the television, by the newspapers, by the books that we read, and by the conversations that we have with other people around us. And so when we read your word, it conflicts against what our brains tell us. Lord, we pray that when we read your word, we may read it like no other piece of material, that we may know that here is truth and that what is often in our brains is not truth but a lie from Satan himself. Lord, we pray as we sit under your word today that we may indeed sit under it and not over it. And Lord, we pray that it may be an encouragement to us to know that this is true and that it comes from your mouth. And we pray that it may help us to live more pleasing lives to you, our great God. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I was trying to think back to my first encounter with feminism, and I think it had to be with my sister. When I was about 12 years old, and she was 16, she called me a male chauvinistic pig. Now, I didn't know what all the words meant. I knew what male meant, and I knew I was a male, so that can't be a slur. Uh, I didn't know what this chauvinistic word was, but I knew what pig meant, and I knew that wasn't good. So I'm sure I called her something back in return, But yes, she called me this chauvinistic word, and so then I had to go along and try and work out what it actually meant and uh, and see whether I was indeed what she was calling me. Uh, Feminism is something that's been around for quite some time now, for decades, and uh, and it's still fighting fit today. It's not like it was a flash in the pan and has all but disappeared. No, we see it uh, regularly in the news, uh, rearing its head there. Uh, even recently, we've seen more in the Sydney Morning Herald in the past couple of weeks about uh, fair wages for the same amount of work. Women need to get the same amount uh, paid for what they do, and so this argument is always coming up about fair working wages for women and it comes up in lots of different areas. Abortion is one area where it keeps coming up about woman's right over her body. Feminism is there supporting and backing that. Well when we come to God's word there are some parts of it that are not easy for feminists to take on board and that is what we're looking at today. We've been working through 1 Peter and uh, And we've been going verse by verse, as I try to do, so that I do not avoid uh, those parts of Scripture that are hard to preach on, and I do not simply go for all the easy parts. But if I do this, I learn as well if I go systematically through a book of the Bible. And I thought I might take a break from 1 Peter and uh, go somewhere else when I saw uh, what was coming in chapter 3, but I thought, no, I need to be faithful, particularly as I think these verses are connected with what has come previously. And so it would be um, not right of me to take a break to Isaiah or Ezra or someone somewhere else and not continue preaching through the word. And what is that controversial text that we're looking at? Well, I encourage you to open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 3, found on page 1202 in your church Bibles, 1202, and we're looking at verses 1 and 2 today of 1 Peter chapter 3, and where it says, Wives, in the same way, 
be submissive to your husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behaviour of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. And so my first main point this morning is to uphold this text and say, wives should submit to husbands as leaders. My first main point is that wives, Christian wives, should submit to husbands as leaders. What does it mean to submit? Well, submission means to obey someone's instructions. When someone gives you a command, if you are submissive, you obey what they're saying you should do. And so that is what is being said here by Peter, is that wives should be obedient to their husband's instructions. Does it mean submit, though? Is this a proper translation here? Is this a faithful rendering of the Greek text here by the NIV translation? Well, some people think that the Greek word should be translated more thoughtful, considerate, or act in love. And so they would want to translate it differently from submission there. They tone it down a bit, soften it. Is that right? Well, the same Greek word used here in 1 Peter 3, verse 1, is used repeatedly in the context of authority in the New Testament and outside the New Testament. It is used again and again when there's two groups and one is clearly in authority over the other. Examples are children submitting to parents. Children, parents, you don't say that the parents aren't an authority figure in the children's life, and so the word submission there is clearly being used in an authority context. Church members to church leaders, they're meant to submit. Church leaders are the ones in authority. Church members are the ones submitting to the church leaders. The church to Christ. The church submits to Christ. Clearly another context of authority. Christians to God, God the Father. The universe to Christ. Clearly Christ is in charge and the universe is not. Another example is Christ to God the Father, where Christ recognises that God the Father is the authority figure in his life and that Christ submits to him. And then there's examples outside the New Testament of that same Greek word that we've translated here, submission, used in an authority context of soldiers to officers. You would not say that the officers aren't authorities over the soldiers. Instead, you say, yes, that's an authority figure, the officer. And submission being used there indicates that it's used in an authoritative context. So I think submission is what is the best translation of that word because it's always used in authority context. And then we also have another clue in the text. It says in verse 1, wives in the same way be submissive to your husbands. And I think this encourages us to understand that it is to be translated submissive as well, to be translated submit here. What's in the same way mean? Well, some people say that it could be just introducing a new subject, and sometimes a Greek word translated in the same way there can just be bringing up a new subject. But I don't think so. It could also be that it's referring back to Jesus' suffering. So last week we focused a lot on the results of Jesus' suffering, so we look back to 1 Peter 2, verse 24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. So in the same way that Jesus suffered, so wives should be suffering uh, to their husbands, 
Is that what he's getting at here? Now, I think in the same way refers back, right back to verse 18. Slaves, submit yourselves to your masters with all respect. And then back to verse 13. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men. I think this is the next step in a series of commands about submission. And so then it's right to say that here it should be translated submit because we've been seeing that come from earlier in the text. And as for whether it's referring to Jesus' sacrifice there, I think we've got to remember what Jesus' sacrifice was in the context of. It was in the context of suffering as slaves to masters, and so that's part and parcel of verse 18 onwards. And uh, and whereas the wives bit, verse one is referring back to 18, and then back to verse 13. So we've got a series of contexts here of submission. So I think it is right here for us to translate this word, submit, and submit in the sense of obey, just like governments give orders to citizens, you are meant to obey, and just like. Employers give commands to employees. There's a obedience that is expected from them. Now, why would people think that the words should be translated thoughtful, considerate, loving, and not submit? Why is there such hostility to this kind of text in our day and age? Why does feminism hate this so much? Well, I think one reason is because people think that when you submit to someone it devalues you. It makes you a lesser person. The person in charge is the person who is more important and that person has more rights and is more valued than the person who is submitting. But the New Testament never teaches that, that the person submitting is of less value than the person who is giving the instructions, who is giving the orders. Think about children and parents. Are the children... Having, uh, are they lesser people? Do they have less rights because they're children than the parents? They still have the right to life, to protection. In our country, you still will get a lawyer given to you, even if you're a child and have no one to look after you. You are still assigned a lawyer just like an adult is assigned a lawyer. You still have as much right as a parent does. Church members to church leaders. Are the church members somehow less of a Christian than the church leader because they're just a church member and not a church leader? No. We are all children of God. It's not like some of us are more a child of God than others. No, the church leaders are still valued by God and the members are valued just as much, are just as important as the church leaders. And the classic example of that is, you know, when it talks about the body of Christ being a body. And you need fingers. You need feet. doesn't matter if you're uh, just a finger. It's not that you're just a finger and that the head is somehow better than you. No. Fingers are important. Feet are important. You need them. You've got to be careful about thinking that just because someone is a member of the church and not a leader, that they're somehow less of a person. And what about the church to Christ? It's not like we're somehow lesser uh, to, to God because Christ is there giving us the orders or even Christ to God the Father. Is Christ, Jesus, less God than God the Father because he submits to God the Father? No. Jesus is just as much God as God the Father is. 
He is not less of God because he submits to God the Father. No, they are both equal. But God the Father has authority over God the Son. And we see that Peter himself is quick to affirm that Christians, wives and husbands, are just of as much value to God as one another. Verse 7. We just come down a little bit from, the, from where we're looking at in verse 1 and we see the equal status of the husband and the wife. Husbands, in the same way, verse 7, as you live with your wife, and be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partners and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. It is not as though the husbands are the big heirs and the women are the little heirs and they're somehow less in God's eyes. No, they have equal status with the husbands when it comes to inheriting God's grace, his uh, internal inheritance of heaven. No, there is no devaluing going on by someone submitting to someone who is in authority. You're not less of a person. But feminism continues to think that way and continues to encourage you to think that way, that you're a lesser person if you let someone boss you around. No, it's not true at all. The other way that I think people react against this text, the other reason they do it, is because they've seen terrible abuses of it. They've seen husbands who take this text and use it in a way that God never intended. They see husbands mistreating their wives shamefully, making the wives ask them for permission for every little thing that goes on in their lives, asking them for permission to spend a certain amount of money, asking them for permission to even go out of the house. That is not what is being intended here. It is not an abusive relationship that God is intending here. No. But we see that happening and we think the the way to to solve that problem is to go for complete equality in the relationship, that there is no authority figure. And so there's two ends of the pendulum. There's always the way. There's two extremes. Both are sinful. One is the husband is domineering in a way he shouldn't be. The other side is where there's equality and that no one is in charge. Although it never really happens. Someone's always in charge. Someone's manipulating the other in some way. The Bible wants you to be in the middle where the man is an authority in the home, but he's a loving authority. He's one who cares for the wife. He's not domineering. Instead, he's looking for the wife's good in the instructions that he gives and not for the wife's evil. They're the two reasons that I think that people react so badly to this text. Now, I want to warn you, if you're going to let popular culture, feministic culture, influence you here, I want to give you two warnings. If you want to react against this text and say this is wrong here, two warnings. One is you're committing sin. To not submit to your husband is sinful. And that carries all the baggage that sin brings. It carries the punishment of sin by God in the next life. If you're unrepentant about it, you will be punished for it. And if you, um, and if you continue in that sin, there's many punishments that are given in this life. God knows the best way for you to live, the happiest way for you to live, and that is according to his laws. He made you. He knows how you work. And this is his instruction. And when you disobey the manufacturer's instruction, what happens? 
Life goes a bit pear-shaped. It goes bad. The happiest way for you to live is with the husband as the leader and the wife submitting to his leadership. And so I want to encourage you this morning, if you're not a Christian and you read this text, be aware how much you've sinned against God by rejecting it in the past because I'm sure most of us have felt against this text and if you're not a Christian and you're influenced by the popular culture, you won't like this. And that is sin against God and you need to resolve that sin. And how do you resolve that sin? By repenting and believing in Jesus' death for your sin of not submitting to the authority or not leading appropriately. You need to put your faith and trust in Jesus so that this sin, which is so easily committed by us in the Australian culture and Western cultures, is forgiven through the work of Jesus Christ at the cross. Second, that's the first warning, it is sin. Second warning, if you do not submit to your husbands, as the text says, what the other warning is that you damage the gospel. You damage the picture of the gospel. What is one of the beautiful pictures of the gospel? It is with Jesus as the groom and the church as his bride. The groom caring for his wife so much that he lays down his life for his bride. And he carefully instructs her how best she is to live. And then the bride is there submitting to the groom, Jesus Christ, and saying, yeah, tell me how I should go here so that I can exalt you and so that I can exalt God and so that I can live the happiest life that you can give. And so when we as humans get married, and this goes for non-Christians as well as Christians, there is a wonderful little picture there going on of the best marriage, the true marriage of Jesus Christ with the church. It may be seriously damaged, and it is again and again by different cultures where they have multiple wives or they have divorce. So easy. It's there on demand so quickly. And so that picture of Jesus with the church is damaged, but it's there. And so I want to encourage you as Christians to make sure you follow what Peter says here, what God says here. Because when you do, you are giving a proper picture, not a tainted picture, of Jesus Christ and his relationship with the church. And people are attracted to that. They see the happiness that is there in that home of a husband carefully leading to the point that he lays down his life for the bride and the wife submitting lovingly to the, to the husband's instructions. And they see that going on there, and they get an even better picture of Jesus Christ and his relationship in the church than most marriages in the world give off today. They're my two warnings. If you're going to react against this, you're sinning and you're damaging the gospel, the message of the gospel that is contained in marriages as a husband unites with a wife. Okay. But is there an escape clause? Is there a way of getting out of this? Well, there's one way that some people might think you can get out of this. There's a get-out-of-jail-free card. What about if my husband's a bad husband? Or worse, what about if my husband is not a believer? He's not a Christian. Am I still supposed to submit to my husband? 
Well, Peter answers this very question for us, and I have my second main point from the text, that wives should submit to husbands even if they don't believe. And that is given for us in verse 1 and verse 2 of 1 Peter 3. Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behaviour of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Having an unbelieving husband was a common problem in the early church. Why? Well, you're not supposed to marry unbelievers. That's quite clear to Christians. But, of course, the gospel comes in and lots of people get converted and that includes lots of people in marriages. But not both members of the marriage are converted. And so the gospel message comes through from someone like the Apostle Paul coming through the town, preaches, and a wife is converted and the husband is not. Paul disappears, the church is there, they try to witness to the husband, but the husband is resistant. Is that a get-out-of-jail-free card? If your husband does not believe the word, does that mean you don't have to submit? Well, here it says that you do have to, because it says if any of them do not believe the word, you're still to submit to them. Does not believing the word refer to non-Christians? Or does it refer to just sort of bad Christian husbands? No, I think it clearly refers to non-believing husbands here, uh, because if we go back to... uh, chapter 2 verse 8 we see the same Greek words there used of clearly non-Christians verse 8 reads and a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall they stumble because they disobey the message and that the word message there is the same Greek word that's translated word over in uh, verse 3 uh, verse 1 of chapter 3 which is also what they were destined for and that clearly is unbelievers there so I think Peter means unbelievers here as well So this command is here even for women who have unbelieving spouses. And he introduces that with the word if there to show that it should be still taken up, that the wives should submit there. So it says, Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behaviour of their wives. Now some people look at that and they go, Ah, so this whole section is referring to unbelieving and to wives of unbelieving spouses. No, I don't think that's the case. I think that he's got the command there, wives in the same way be submissive to your husbands, and then the so that is connected with the if, and there's a little word that's missing in the NIV. It's a real shame. It's there in the ESV, it's there in the New King James, it's there in the NASB. Um, the word even. Even if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behaviour of their wives. So I think this whole text, 1 to 6, is referring to all wives, all Christian wives, but there's a little clause there that's given, just in case you think you can get out of it, even if you have an unbelieving husband, you're still to submit. Why would you want to submit to an unbeliever? Why would God say you should meant to do this? Surely that's not right. What does he say? So that if, even if, any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behaviour of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Actions speak louder than words. You can go to your unbelieving husband and preach all you like and it won't get through. But if you're submissive, if you're pure and reverent in your life, That is how God often wins unbelieving husbands over to himself.
And we know this is a common idea throughout Scripture that our actions can bring people to repentance and faith. And we've seen this already in chapter 2, verse 11. Chapter 2, verse 11, where Peter already had that theme for everybody. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. It comes again and again. There's other passages in Scripture where we look at Christian behaviour being a witness to those who are non-Christians and they become Christians by looking at the life of the Christian in the home. So we've seen that wives should submit even if the husband is an unbeliever. What about the rest of us who aren't wives? I'm not a wife. Some of you aren't even married. What about you? Is there any message for you here today? Well, my third main point this morning is that everyone else should encourage wives to submit. Wives, Christian wives in this culture are encouraged every day pretty much not to submit to their husbands. They get it from the television, they get it from the newspaper, they get it from magazines, they get it from conversations with other people at work. It's always being said, don't submit to your husband. And so I want to encourage you as a Christian to uphold this teaching and encourage Christian wives to submit. And that goes for husbands in the home as well. How do you encourage your wife to submit? Well, you teach them faithfully from the word, but you also be a good leader so that submission is so easy for them. They know that you're concerned for them and that the instructions that you give about what is to happen in the home is given by you for their good, just like Jesus gives us instructions for our good as his bride. So you as a husband, it should be obvious to your wife that you are not in it for yourself but you are in it for her and your instructions are there for her good, not for her evil and for your good, for your gain out of her submitting to you. So be a good leader so that submission is a joy for your wife and so that she accepts this teaching so easily in the home. And I also want to encourage you, and I'm guilty of this as well, is resisting the joking that we can often have as Christians about being the boss of the home. I'm guilty of this where you sort of make fun of your wife. No, remember who's boss here. And you joke about it or you joke about it with other people. It's not something you want to rub your wife's face in it all the time. Maybe if our culture wasn't as hot as it is today about this issue, it would be easier to do it and to know that it was all joking. But there's that influence that's always coming there that is trying to drag your wife away from submitting to you. And when you joke about it and rub her face in it about who's the boss in the home, I just don't think it's all that helpful. And I've got to admit that I've done that myself. I've joked around about that, and I don't think it's the most helpful thing I can do to encourage my wife to lovingly and willingly submit to my leadership. And what about if you aren't married? Well, encourage the people around you who are married to live this out. Encourage the husbands to be good leaders and encourage the wives to submit. Don't encourage rebellion against husbands. Encourage the wives as they come to you, particularly if you're a single woman and you have a wife that's talking to you about a particular issue, 
Encourage them to go back and resolve things with their husband and not to continually be undermining his authority. Give good counsel about going and looking for the leadership of the husband. It's all too easy in our culture to give counsel that doesn't come from the word but comes from what you've read in the paper that day when a wife comes to you and talks about problems that she might be having. And, uh, and instead of encouraging her to be submissive to the husband, you encourage her to rebel and react against her husband. And then lastly, I want to encourage you, pray for the marriages of this church. If you're not in a marriage, pray for the marriages of the people here. Divorce rates are very high. And they come into Christian marriages almost at the same rate now as non-Christian marriages. And one of the big problems can be that people aren't living out the marriage in the way that God intended. Pray for the husbands and wives of this church. I appreciate your prayer for me, that I would be a good leader for Jill. And I appreciate your prayers for Jill, that she would be a good, uh, she would submit well to my leadership in the home. Pray for my marriage, but pray for all the marriages of the people in the church. It doesn't have to be specific name by name. Just say, God, may you bless the marriages of this church. May the wives submit willingly to the husbands and may the husbands lead well in the home. That's it. That's all you have to pray and mean it. And I would hope then that the marriages here prosper as we have single people here praying for the marriages of this church. Now let us speak with him now. Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much for your word and we thank you for how it instructs us as to the best way that we are to live. That we, if we follow your word, will lead such happy and contented lives. Lord, we pray that you may give us the strength to obey it. And we pray for the marriages of this church, Lord. We pray that you may help the husbands to be good leaders. May they be like Christ in the way that they behave towards their wives. May they love their wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And Lord, we pray for the wives of this church. We pray that they may willingly submit to their husbands because they know that their husbands have their best interests at heart. And Lord, we pray for the single people of this church. We pray that they may encourage what is faithful to your word in the marriages that are around them. And we pray that they may pray for their brothers and sisters in Christ who are married so that they may be faithful to one another and faithful to your word. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.